Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Surley, my partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. In particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Iowa, we've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do, Iowa reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can get it at our website. You can communicate with us there. The website is wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is produced by Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions down in Lando Lakes, Florida. How you doing, Brad? On today's show, we welcome Dan Justin from St. Croix. He's going to talk about bass and crappie fishing from his vacation he just took down the Ozarks. And Dave's going to visit with Trey McKinney. Oh, man, is this kid hot? Second place at Toledo Bend. He's tied for fifth in Angler of the Year after two tournaments. Man, oh, man. This guy is going places, and he's going there fast. I get to visit with Kelly Jordan, a $2 million winner in his career, one of the best fishermen around, one of the nicest guys around. Great interview uh, I'm sure we're going to do with Kelly Jordan. He's a good guy and really, really smart. Looking forward to talking to him. But first, let me turn it over to Dave Kranz. He's going to bring on our friend Dan Johnston. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Well, we got somebody new this week. He hasn't been with us the last couple weeks. He normally is. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Hey, the good news is is some of it was work-related and some of it was fun-related. Let's tell the listeners where you were fishing. Yeah, the first episode I missed a couple of weeks ago was work-related, and then this last one was definitely fun-related. I was at Down Lake of the Ozarks fishing. I store my boat down there over the winter, and one of the goals was to go get it, get it back to Iowa. Uh, but obviously, if I'm going to do that, I took a couple of days off, including the weekend, and had a great time down there. Yeah, they, uh, things are turning green down there, I would imagine. And what kind of water temperatures did you have there? We had low 60s in the back of the creeks. Um, the water is low, but it's coming up, which is a good thing. And it was what was really cool about it, and I've talked to a bunch of people about this, is we were actually there during that stage when things were going on the bed. I mean, literally right during that transition where they were, you know, some of the biggest fish, talking about bass mm-hmm. um, and crappie also, uh, were when we first got there, they were still staged up in like the last dock in the back of a creek or uh, the crappies were still on shade lines on big, deep marina docks and big giant schools. And then the day we left, a lot of them were on the bank. And it was really, really cool to see that. And number one, and then number two, how to transition on how to try to catch them. Because there's that, there's that phase there for bass where you see a lot of big ones cruising, but they're not bedded up. And they can be really hard to catch fishing clear water so it was neat to be able to adapt and stay way off them and throw to them and especially when it's slick and calm and sunny it makes it even tougher um to get a few big bites that way was really cool um but just the sheer number of fish that you see 
during that transition is just absolutely awesome. And further, I would add, normally I would look for more stained water in those conditions because you can get up on them better. But our best bites came in the clear water, which was which was really interesting. So it was like always, you think you've got something figured out and um, Mother Nature or the, the, the master plan throws you a curveball and you have to adapt. Absolutely. And, and you bring up a good point there about what you thought was going to be good, wasn't as good as, as what you thought would be a little worse. But on a big body of water like that, you can have so many different stages of the of the spawn, even from a bay to bay, uh, how it sits, whether it's east, west, or north, south. And and did you use some of that to, to figure out where the best bite was? 100%. I could run 15 miles and find water. I could see a spinnerbait down a foot and a half. And then I'd run the other direction and I could see a you know, shaky head on the bottom in 10 foot. Yeah. Uh, so, and the water temperature changes too. So there's a lot of moving parts there. And to your point, there's fish set up in different stages in different scenario. And also you can get in the same exact spot and have fish in multiple stages. So that's just a classic example of not, you know, not getting too myopic or just think, Oh, all of them are going to be doing this one thing. It's just furthest from the truth. And, you can, you know, for example, we were we were catching some on a real fast cadence jerkbait out on docks in the in the when we did have wind. At the same time, we saw fish going to the bank in three foot of water. So you two completely different patterns, and um, really, really need to be there as that transpired, really right before our eyes. Yep. And so you said jerkbait. What else was was working for the conditions that you found? What else did you catch them on? Yeah, I've got a little lipless bait. We fish slow that doesn't hang up, which is a real lethal thing to do uh, this time of year when they're in that stage. But one thing that was cool would be to, you know, you'd see them in certain areas. And then the key would be to stay way, way off them and throw like a little flick shake or something even, believe it or not, more finesse than a Cinco. And, but throw it with braid to fluoro on a spinning rod from a mile to get a bite. Because if you got back in there close, if you could see them, a lot of times a few of them can see you and you just can't catch them. Mm-hmm. Unless I wanted to pull down and try to pull one off a bed and I just didn't want to do that. So that was that's what that was one thing that really took a while to figure out is staying way, way, way off them in that clear water. Wouldn't have had to do it in the dirty water at all. But for whatever reason, they just wouldn't bite that spinnerbait like I want them to. Yeah. Were they um, on a certain type of bottom or wood or rock or gravel? What, what was the key for that? I think... In big lakes, a lot of times, at least from what one thing I look for, is I try to find places that are protected, places I can hardly get my boat to. Like it takes two of us to push off docks to get in back behind something that's so secluded and protected, sun exposed, a lot of bait fish back there. Um, But yeah, I'm always looking for some type of hard bottom for sure. Uh, I don't want big, giant, slate-type rock, but pea gravel is probably my favorite um, but you can also have like real hard um, rock bottom that as long as it's not a great big giant main lake busted rock type thing. I try to avoid that when they're in that stage, but there were still a few hung up there in the mouths of creeks waiting to come in. And that's what's cool is it wasn't just one scenario, but you would have to change your strategy depending on what scenario you were in. And the big busted rock was more of a swim bait deal. Okay. Um, you know, so that, yeah, it, it definitely changed depending on what we were trying to target. 
Well, I know there, uh, you said was crappies and bass, and if there's crappies and bass, you probably took a little time to fish some crappies too, huh? It was unbelievable. We were thinking we were going to be picking off the males on the bank and just let them go, you know, just to, for fun. Like I said, I was primarily going down to pick up my boat, but we found these giant schools of females and with forward facing on deep docks, but they were only four foot down over 50 foot of water, giant schools, catch them just almost every cast. And it was a, it was a riot. And I had another set of friends that went down this week and they were all right on the bank. Huh. So that was that stage where it was just, we knew, and we really didn't do well for the first couple hours. I was convinced um, they would be, if not on the bank, on the last dock back in, and they weren't. And that's when we had to audible and just keep going out into the creek, end up finding them out in the main lake, which is really odd. I, I didn't expect that. But again, you've got, got to let the fish tell you what to do. We've talked about this a thousand times, and it got to the point you turn the trolling motor on at high speed till we got a bite. And then really started to um, pinpoint that from there. Yeah. What's the pressure like this time of year on that body of water on Ozarks? Is, is there a lot of people uh, playing the game already? It's going to be real soon. I mean, it was gorgeous when we were down there. So the big boats were starting to run around. There's a tournament bass tournament every weekend, which creates pressure. But it really doesn't get terribly bad until just before Memorial Day. And then it's just gloves are off. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't spend a lot of time down there, Dave, fishing in the summer because you got to really watch where you're running. And it's, it's like a big washing machine. You know, you've got the potato patch waves and the big boats running 90 mile an hour. And that's not really for me. So I, I'm more of a spring and fall, fall guy down there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And since you store your boat down there, you, you even do some winter fishing there, don't you? All year round, whenever I can get down there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's as good in the winter as it is any time of year. But it's really, really good right now, too, um, because the fish get shallow. They get on bait. I was surprised to see the size of the shad that i saw this week i mean there were a few there were a few spots on the backs of the creeks that had those that were you know six inches long which is obviously a pretty good thing for a mag draft you know uh, and that was cool to see that was more of a fall thing normally sure we, we saw most of the midwest have 80 plus degree temperatures uh uh now this this week uh yesterday and today the, the, the early part of the week here it's got cold again is that going to change the, the patterns that were there, or are those fish just going to kind of pause for the warmer weather to come back, or once they start to keep going? Dave, I've never found that it does, and we've talked about this before. It takes forever, it seems like, for fish to get up, to push shallow. It just, you get down there, well, we fell for it. I was convinced that they were going to be on the bank, and they weren't. But once they got there, it takes a lot to get them off there. Now, they might not be right on the bank catching them exactly the way we were, but they're going to pull to the first cover, first available drop, some first creek channel swaying, or not very far from where they are at all. It's it's and it's it's something that we have covered before. It's it's it. You can get cold weather in the spring after the fish are up and still catch them on shallow water patterns. Yeah, they definitely. Uh, we definitely have covered everything. Uh, 356 episodes. It's hard to believe. It seems like we just did the first one uh, last week, but it's um, it, it keeps going, and we keep learning, and we keep giving good information. And uh, I love it. It's nice that uh, we get, get to talk to you on uh, your own experience of going out there and and uh, having fun. Where's Where's the uh, next trip of the year for you for uh, for fun? Well, headed to South Dakota right now for work. Uh, Going to be doing a bunch of water, water, walleye 
fishing and rod training out there. Um, and then I'll start fishing my local lakes at home whenever I can. It's a super busy time at work for me, but, um, but they're, they're everything in the Midwest is literally exploding right now from the fishing. It's a great time to go. And this little cold front's not going to do a whole lot. It's going to bounce back in a day. Excellent. Well, maybe next week we'll hear about a little walleye action out there, and uh, you can talk about that. And I know there's some big jumbo perch out there. Maybe you'll get into some of those, too. And uh, always a pleasure having a Dan Johnston on the We Fish ASA podcast, and look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, thanks, Dave. Have a great week. Oh, no problem. You, too. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. And my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has been on before. He certainly has a passion for the outdoors. He's just coming off a second-place finish of the Bassmaster Opens at Toledo Bend. I'd like to welcome back Trey McKinney. Hello. Hey, Trey. Hopefully, uh, we're all good here, and you're you're kind of back on on Earth after being in the clouds after that second place uh, finish. How how are you feeling after that? Yes, sir. It was absolutely a blessing. Like I said, I mean, it was one of them deals where everything had fell into place. It was one of them that, uh, like, I know the one of the day I caught back to back to back four pounders on five XD, and I'm gonna tell you, that don't happen every day. When that does start to happen, it was uh, it's like I was just shaking, astonished, and uh, like I said, very blessed. Yeah, and uh, what else doesn't happen is I think you said that uh, when I talked to you or messaged you off the air or you said it on the stage, um, you hadn't had a tournament that you cracked 20 pounds in a day and you did it three days in a row. Yes, sir. That, that, that was another thing. I had never had a like over 20-pound bag just like in, in the solo event. In team terms, I had, but by myself, that was one of my goals that I've always wanted to crack. I've had like... 1915s and 1912s and 
all of them right there, right at it. And I just needed one more fish, and, and to do it three days in a row was absolutely. And even get up to twenty three was it was it was crazy. Yeah, was was your practice that good that you felt you could do that every day? Absolutely not. I was absolutely like I was. I was astonished. Like I was scared. I was like, dude, if I can survive this one, get through it, stay in the points, you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the last half day or whatever, I shook one off up shallow, and it was probably like a five or six pounder. And I was like, oh my! Like I'm, at least I had confidence. You know, there's hope that I could get a big bite. And uh, first day in the tournament, man, I, I hadn't had a fish till like ten thirty, and I was like, really, really, really getting stressed. The brakes were turning, and uh, and then all of a sudden, I caught one that was six and a, like six and a quarter, something like that, flipping my jig up next to a tree. And uh, from there, it just it just it left. I had nothing, no nothing in control from there on, and it, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, you finished second in this one. The first one, uh, you finished twentieth, I, I believe. Yes. I, Where does that put you for angler of the year so far and your points uh, position? Yes, sir. I think I'm, I'm tied for fifth right now. Okay, and and if you would have. Uh, Somebody would have said, you're going to be tied for fifth after the first two. You'd have been very thrilled, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Like I said, I told somebody the other day, dude, I don't care what in our points, of course, I'm going to try to win like the angle of the year or whatever. But like I said, I mean, Ben Milliken, he, I mean, he's a super stick. I mean, that, that, man, is, that man is good. And uh, like I said, uh, if I can just finish not, any, any way I can get, get the way to the elite is what I'm looking for, sir. That's what we're going to try, and we're going to keep on following this year and hope everybody tags along with me. So I looked at the names that are on the on the list of the the people that are fishing opens, trying to do the same thing you are, trying to qualify for the elites for next year. And uh, there's a lot of names on there that I think you probably looked up to and still do. <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, there's there's tons of them there. I've seen Rick Klein fish the fish this one and when I heard him come up on stage I was like man I've, I've read so many things about him and everything else like that and I mean it's incredible being up to stand on stage and I mean I actually just knew I can compete like that and I mean like I said it's a blessing and I'm absolutely stoked to see what the future has got like I said you never know Lord, Lord's got a path for us we don't know why it goes certain directions sometimes but you know uh, I'm excited hopefully this one this one goes yeah, I see a little pattern, though, in this year uh, on the Opens. Uh, there are quite a few people that are first time to the Opens or uh, maybe the second year into it that are doing pretty well. Uh, th th does that surprise you? It also just depends, you know. I mean, I feel like uh, the confidence, I feel like, I mean, your first year type of thing, I mean, you're going to give it your all, you know. I mean, it's one of them things where, I mean, it does take quite a bit of money to do um stuff like that on gas travels eats and entry fees and stuff so i, I mean uh, it just depends on the person i guess um sometimes it, it the different motivations you know um i feel like it's, it's a lot of it like i said fishing for me is a very mental sport um like, like i said if you start off the morning bad usually usually it, it lasts only like 30 minutes an hour it just depends how long and then all of a sudden I, I, i'll grab back and go at it again you know type of thing so that's one thing is staying staying in that good zone on not being negative you gotta you gotta stay positive or I, I, for me i feel like if i don't stay positive I, I'm, there's no way i'll make it yeah absolutely and that and that's um uh positivity is huge in any sport and fishing is is uh, definitely that way too uh, let's let's uh, mention a few of your sponsors here since they're uh since you've got them and they're you're doing a good job for them and uh, you've had some of these for a long time uh, already considering you're only 18 years old you, you just recently turned 18 oh uh, yes sir 
Yes, sir, in February. In February, and, and here you're competing. If you make it to the, not if, when you make it to the elites, uh, I feel like you will, uh, you'll be one of the youngest to uh, to make it. Yes, sir, that, that's my goal. Like I said, uh, I had done the, the AUI at 16 and, and the BFLs and stuff like that, and uh, I was like, well, what's the elites, you know, and we were looking on it, and I was like, and if I could just make it and, and hold that, that would be absolutely incredible. So that's what that's what we're shooting for. Hopefully, I still got. Hopefully, we can just do it this year. But we still got a couple of years, I think, in play that we. If not, we can try again, stuff like that. But absolutely. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk a little bit about those sponsors. Who's keeping you on the water? Absolutely. I mean, like I said, Charge is absolutely incredible, man. I mean, it's, it's it's a boat that I mean, it's it's the old two uh, two ten champion hole, and uh, it, it's a super good rough riding boat. Like I said, and then I, I paired it with a Honda this year, which is absolutely amazing, super dependable, you know. And that's the main thing. As long as I I can make it back. I mean that 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 means all in the world. Like, you can't you can't if you don't make it back to lay them fish on the scale, it means nothing. So uh, that's another good thing. St. Croix Rod has actually been. I mean, it's like a family. Uh, Jesse and Ryan, all them has been super incredible to me. And like I said, even with Lou's, um, I got Tom over there and everybody. They've been super a blessing to me as well on reels. And like I said, this week I've caught them all on a five XT. Um, cranking in that 10 to 15 range. I mean, uh, that was, shoot, I feel like I caught, oh, I think seven or eight of the fish that I actually took to the scales on a 5XT. And then uh, all the other ones that came on my, I caught this confidence jig. I mean, it's, it's, one of, it's one of the things that's just incredible. It's anywhere I go, I can seem like I can catch a few fish on it. It's one of them just confidence baits. And uh, it's, a, it's a baby structure jig from Strike King. And uh, it's a 3 eighths, And it just depends on what colors, what time of year, stuff like that. And another thing is Lithium Pros. I mean, them guys are unbelievable. Kevin over there, he's he's took care of me. That, that man's awesome, and his wife as well. I met her at the classic this year, and she's a, she's a very sweet person. And uh, I mean, make awesome products, man. Like I said, to have two batteries in my boat when I can run four 12 inch Lawrences, a Ghost, live wheels, everything like everything. I got speakers, lights. The whole nine yards, being young, I guess, and uh, not have any problems with that is, is absolutely amazing where the batteries came from like that. So, I mean, I'm, there's so many more that I could name. Like I said, I got local sponsors. Like I said, Oasis Power Sports. I'm excited about this year. We're trying to get them going. Like Texas Roadhouse is another one there at the, at the, at the house. And uh, Farmer State Bank, uh, Tom, he's been he's been amazing as well. He fishes a lot of local tournaments around home, so we've always keep in touch and but man, it's it's unreal how many people I've had support, man. Like Rick Cheatham, I, I mean, he's been a guy that's got me into tournament fishing, man. It's my mom; she's so supportive, and, and my whole family. Absolutely, you got a, you got a good core behind you, and and that's what it takes, and and you've got it, and you also have the skill to get out there and and uh, fish like you do. Uh, you, you said what you caught them on a jig and the five XD. Were they in the same or similar areas for all three days? Um, it just actually no. That, that was the thing I was most proud of. Really, um, I had to switch it up a lot. Really, um, it was one of them, the first days I had found them shallow. I caught twenty one pounds shallow. I had I had a six pounder on, on my jig. All of them on my jig at shallow. And I, that was one of them days where it was just that's my type of fishing. And also, the next day I had caught some shallow. I think I caught four, four of my bass shallow. And then I went offshore for a little bit and caught one on five XC. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so I, I saw the water and slowly started taking them down. And a lot of them big ones, man, I mean, they're finicky about that type of stuff. And uh, they had been super full back up in there. It's hot, way back up in the thickest bushes you could find, man. And it was, it was, it was pretty incredible and fun, dragging them out. And then uh, the last day I got up there and I could see the water line 
freeze. And I'd fished a few of my stretches, and I was like, man, it's just it's not working, you know? And I had found a few hard spots that I'd idled. And I was like, dropping water. They're kind of close to these areas. Right, let's just let's just go try. And like I said, I, I pulled up the one, and I threw it out there the first time. Like I said, I caught a four-pounder. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I cool. Throw like a three-pounder out, throw back out, bam, four-pounder again. Then I throw like a 320 out, I throw back up there again, bam, it's like four and a half, something like that. And then I throw like a, a three, like 50 out. So then I had like straight four-pounders and yeah. one a little bigger. Uh, so, I mean, it was, like I said, it was incredible. And it, like I said, just being able to change, being versatile is another huge thing in, in fishing, keeping an open mind. Um, don't get suckered into one thing because I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes I've had it bite me in the butt. Like, like I said, I love flipping. Absolutely, and uh, we're uh, we're proud of you here at the We Fish ASA podcast, and look forward to following your uh, your trail as you continue. And um, I'm sure it won't be the last time we have Trey McKinney on, and I'm sure you'll come back, won't you? Well, yes, sir. We're on keep swinging. All right, that's good. We look forward to we talk to you next time, and um, you have a good day. Thank you, sir. You are welcome. That was Trey McKinney. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, we will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Starley. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. You know, if you're an industry professional of any type at all, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Got a real winner on with us now. He's one of the best bass fishermen around. He just won a great tournament at Lake Eufaula in Oklahoma. He hails from Texas, not far away from there. Uh, Definitely want to talk about the tournament, want to talk about Texas being the hottest place on the planet to fish for bass right now. 
Please welcome my guest, Mr. Kelly Jordan. Hey, Kelly, how you doing? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you? I'm I'm doing okay. I said that uh, uh, one of the amazing things is you meet a lot of people, and you mentioned Kelly Jordan. I go, oh, Kelly Jordan, he's one of the good guys in the business. Oh, Kelly Jordan, great guy, great guy. Uh, how did you build a reputation like that, and how important is it to you to maintain that? Well, I mean, that's all you got is your reputation, but it's it's easy to that when you when you make your living in a sport that you love. And the sport is so full of so many great people. And uh, I like, uh, I have a lot of friends and I enjoy meeting and, and talking fishing. And, and again, like I said, there's so many great people in this industry. It's pretty easy to do. And I guess the only rule you need to really follow to, uh, I guess, you know, do that and have a great time is just a golden rule. You know, just keep it real, do unto others as you have to do to you. And that's kind of a rule to live by. And, you know, it, uh, it works out, and uh, it's amazing how many uh, great people there are in this industry. And uh, I am just so blessed and so fortunate to make a living in this industry. I, I agree with you. That's a good answer. And I always say to people, it's 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 beautiful talking about uh, the world of fishing because it's it's a big business. It's a competitive sport. Uh, there's potential for a lot of conflict, but we don't see any of that because I don't think it exists. We don't have agents. We don't have uh, lockdowns. We don't have strikes. We don't have drug suspensions or a- any of this stuff. But, you know, baseball, everything is is uh, beating up your girlfriend and getting suspended. And Oh, oh my goodness. We, we tend to avoid that in the world of fishing because I think the the people involved with it are such good quality people. Well, it's just like I said, it's under the umbrella of a, of a, of a, a passion we all have for the for the outdoors and for fishing. And like I said, there's no membership criteria, and you can be young or old, man or woman, uh, you know, experienced uh, or novice. It doesn't matter. We can all we all have something to talk about to each other, and enjoy talking to each other about it, something we all love so much, and it just. Like I said, it's just it's easy. It's great, and it's a great community. You're a family man, wife, and three kids, and I look at it uh, the fact that fish, fishing is a family sport. Uh, we 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 bring we bring the family into it. We're happy to go out with the kids, our our extended family. It's it's an important thing. Uh, I, I don't I don't uh, want to turn this into a, a religious show, but I I, I definitely think that. Uh, uh, there are awful lot of people who are, are very devout and, and practice their religion and belief in God that are involved in fishing, and I think that helps make this the sport that it is. Absolutely, there's a lot of people of faith in the in the in the sport, and you know it's just it's re, it's a real sport, and like I said, you meet real people, and you you have a, a it's a it's a you know that you can communicate with other people from all kinds of backgrounds that come together and like i said it's just uh, it's an amazing thing yeah it, and i good lord every day that i make a living in this in this sport again yeah and and that's a wonderful that's a wonderful thing how old are you now kelly 52 how long have you been doing this professionally uh for 25 years 26 years 26 years when did you when did you get the feeling finally the assurance that hey I did the right thing I'm in this for the long haul because at the beginning it, it's there's got to be there's got to be questions in your mind yeah 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, when I started out, I, I, I went all in and I was a fishing guy. That's how I was making my living while I was working my way, becoming a better tournament angler and trying to do well in tournaments and qualify for the, you know, the next level up. That's the stair step that you make in the, in the, in the sport of bass fishing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there, I, I had a couple moments. I, I was almost at the, you know, end of my rope at one time. I was a, a dead broke and, and had a, a great, uh, a finish, uh, that just, you know, kept me going. And then, uh, you know, just the peaks and valleys and, you know, just living through the tough times and you, there's so many stories. Most, most anglers did that. And it's, it's a hard way to, to climb your way up. And then, um, I won my, um, when I won my first, uh, big national event, when I, I my rookie year, the, uh, top 150 then, and, uh, I won that first event. And that, that, it was an unbelievable event, and I won that event, and it, it wasn't even real when that happened. And you didn't feel like you made it, but I was like, man, I, wow, I, I, I might could do this. And I'll, I'll never forget, uh, after I won that event, the next event, I, Denny Brower, I have a lot of fishing heroes, but Denny Brower is like one of my biggest hero. Uh-huh. And I walked by him at the tournament registration, and I had never met him personally, but huge fan. And I walked by, and Denny Brown looked at me and said, "Hey Kelly, how are you doing?" <laughs> and I said, "Denny Brower knows my name." Oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing ever. Um, I guess that was the first time winning that tournament that I thought, "Hey man, I, I could really do this for the long haul." And that is, of course, is my goal, and I think that's every professional angler's goal. And uh, like I said, I'm still here, and uh, th- thank the good Lord every day. That, that is a great story about Denny Brower. I, I think that is uh, wonderful, and I think the the average guy can can really relate to that. And, and, yeah. it, and it's such a simple thing to put a smile on your face and make you feel good that way. And uh, I know Denny well, and that's uh, that's important. And it's good that he knows your name. If uh, if you mention my name to Denny Brower, I got a funny feeling he'd say, "I, I never heard, I never was with a guy who talked so much in the boat in my life." <laughs> I don't think that's what I want to be remembered for, but I think that's what he remembers me for. So whatever, yeah. you're you're in a much much better place. Uh, when were you married? When you got into this professional fishing business, I was not. All I right. was a bachelor, and I was you know focused on my career and worked as hard as I could, and it was a full time job. Um, you know, I lived. Uh, very humbly as a guy to Lake Fork and just fished every day, just trying to make ends meet and fishing tournaments. And like I said, just trying to live the dream. And that's, that's how I started. And, uh, um, you know, I'm married now with two kids and it's all wouldn't trade. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. But I, I was one of those people. I always thought, man, my, my plan was to move forward with that part of my life when, when I was able to support my family. So that was kind of what I was trying to get there so I could have family. That was the way I looked at the way I should handle that. So um, that, that's what I did. So, so how, how does that, how does that work out? You're, you're, you're a single guy, you're getting into this professional fishing, you meet this nice woman and you say, Oh, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a professional fisherman for a living and going to be doing this. And, and, and how, how did you get her? Did you lock the doors in advance? how did you keep her from running away? Uh, you know, I, I can only speak to myself. Uh, I'm just, it happens. Everyone is different. They all have their own 
timing and their own plan, but that's how it worked out for me. I can't speak to anybody else, but there could be a lot of challenges there for sure. <laughs> you, you, you met you met the right person. Obviously, she's yeah. been a she's been a good partner for you in this uh, endeavor. Absolutely, I'm like I said, very blessed and fortunate. Love my wife, and she supports what we do, and uh, it's a, it's a great thing. It's a family family deal. And my kids love it. I I, had, I got home from this tournament. I had a sign on the door: "Welcome home, Daddy." Big they bake me a cake. My daughter's eleven years old. It's just it's just great. Oh, that is absolutely, that is absolutely wonderful. It it, tru- it truly is. Uh, Texas guiding on Lake Fork. I'm sitting there. I know that there'll be a couple of people that listen to this going. Oh, that doesn't sound hard. Guiding on Lake Fork, heck, everybody catches fish on Lake Fork. That's easy. Yep. They're, they're not right. They're not right in the least, are they? No. Uh, <clears throat> everybody can catch them when they're biting like crazy, and that does happen. Everybody goes there to catch a giant bass. Uh, but Lake Fork uh, is a highly pressured lake. It's a great place to become a really good angler because they are so – um, there's a lot of pressure, and then it also has a slot limit, meaning that all the fish between 16 inches and 24 inches are protected. Now, I think a lot of those fish have been caught a couple times or at least once, Yeah. so they're very educated. So what that means is they can be tougher than nails to catch, and the trick is that makes you a better fisherman is cracking the code on that day. I did that for years and years and years, and the payoff was huge. If you figured out the, the whatever was going on that day, I mean, some of the greatest days, I mean, the greatest fishing days of my life have been on Lake Fork and caught them like you, you could never believe how, how good you catch them and how many big fish. But when you figured it out, it was special. So there was a reward to figuring them out. And for me, it made me uh, light years ahead in speed and becoming a great angler or, you know, a, a great skill. All my skills as an angler we're home there is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And it's a great place to hone your skills to to the level that helps you compete with these heroes on the tour, man. And that's uh it's it's just like, you know, it's like playing a suit if you're a pro golfer, it'd be like playing the hardest course you could play every day. But if you make the right shots and read all the everything right, it's just it is a special place. So again. Oh, that sounds so cool. Hey, my, I uh staying on Lake Fork, uh, my uh, good friend, the late Ron Linder, who's in the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame and uh yeah. was a founder of uh, in in Fisherman Television and Magazine, one of the best fishermen of all time. We were talking mm-hmm. one time and he said, You're gonna go to Texas, you better have a tackle box full of of uh, presentations that are colored Lake Fork Red. He says, man, everybody talks about Lake Fork Red being the the, the thing that turns them on. Is that an old uh, fallacy, or is that something that's still popular, is that red color on Lake Fork? Uh, the pre-spawn of the year, but pretty much from mid-December till mid-March, uh, you better have something red tied on. It's a pretty good idea. Just going to say that. What's what do they think they're they're, they're seeing when they see that oh. red bait? Crawfish. Crawfish. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Lake Fork and, Red. I remember hearing that. And things get a reputation, yeah. and they stick with people forever. You just said yeah. in in the spring that's good, but you know you'll hear people say here that Lake Fork Red, and they'll fish that twelve months out of the year, and then they'll be disappointed. How come I didn't catch no fish? I was using Lake Fork Red, <laughs> and, and it didn't happen because they're not listening to the whole story, right? 
I could be. I, I mean, you could absolutely catch them year-round on red, but it is it, the peak of that red color is in that pre-spawn time. Okay. Pre-spawn, 100%. Interesting, interesting. I want to take a quick break, let our sponsors have a word. We'll come back. We'll talk to you about more about Texas. We'll talk more about uh, uh, this incredible win that you had on the uh, Tackle Warehouse Invitational Stop 3 at Lake Eufaula. Uh, I'm Steve Sarley. This is We Fish ASA. I'm on with uh, the one and only Kelly Jordan, and we will be right back after this. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm here with Kelly Jordan. Kelly Jordan is over the $2 million mark in winnings in professional fishing. Hey, Kelly, you realize how few people there are that have won $2 million with a rod and reel in their hand? Uh, I, I know it's pretty, pretty, uh, it's a pretty small amount. I'm, like I said, tickled to death to be there. I, I don't know the number, but uh, hey. I, I don't know the number either, but I'm I'm impressed by how few there are. Let, let's let's talk more about Texas. Uh, yeah, we we mentioned Lake Fork. Uh, what are the three best lakes in Texas right now? Uh, Ohiani, uh, Falcon, always, and Lake Fork. Falcon, that's Lake Fork, that's that's a good one. one. That's a good one. Go. What are they going to do to protect? Oh, Ivy! My goodness, I can't. I've never been there, but I can't imagine how busy it is right now. Is it getting overfished? Well, I, I, I uh, you know, it's hard to say. Catch and release is such a great thing, and and most people practice that. Um, the lake, that lake, uh, naturally fluctuates so much um, every year that it's kind of uh, dependent on the water level. So. It kind of almost takes care of itself. It has, it has peaks and valleys, and I, I hope it stays peak for a long time. If, if if we get a big shot of rain and the lake can still come up, yeah, it could be 
next year and the year after that than it has been in the last few years. It's just it's just one of those crazy lakes that is very uh, water level dependent. It's you know kind of a desert lake, and I don't they don't maintain the level. It just depends on how much rain there there is. So. Um, it would be great to have a slot limit maybe on that lake, but again, the, the parks on Texas Parks and Wildlife Department are the best in the business at managing lakes, and I'm sure that they have a plan to manage that lake as, as best it can be. Other thing that lake has going forward is pretty remote. There's not a lot of places to stay out there, so that limits the pressure a little bit, but uh, it, it does get a lot of pressure. But man, it's, it is just an amazing big bass factory it's kicking out those huge fish. It's just an amazing thing. We we don't you know you don't expect it to last forever uh, when when a lake is hot uh, and it's not just bass. It's uh, I think back on on crappies. Uh, uh, you'll hear people say, "Oh man, uh, Kentucky Lake is so good," and you go down there and the fish are smaller, and then a couple of years later you go back and they're monsters again. It seems to be very cyclical, and bass yes. bass fishing is the same way, is it not? For the most part, most lakes have have cycles like that. The yeah, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. <laughs> I, I heard people a few years ago said, "Oh, Lake Fork's all fished out." Uh, I don't see how you could fish out something that big. I think it was just in a downward cycle where the fish weren't as big. They weren't getting ten pounders uh, all the time. So people are saying it's fished out. Uh, uh, there's a lot of bad publicity about things and. People's opinions get out there, but uh, uh, it's cyclical. Did, did you did you find that with Lake Fork that that went through a down cycle for a while? Yeah, well, so what happened there? We we had a long drought, and that's what uh, the whole state of Texas experienced. You know, around 2011 to 2012 or 13, every lake in Texas was extremely low, including OHIV. So there was a huge recharge when when i think when then we had a really wet year and all the lakes pretty much filled back up including ohiv so then you had a bumper crop spawn bumper crop of uh, cover in the water tremendous explosion of these lakes and it it it's been called um, you know, like a new lake phenomenon so when it's really low for a long time stuff grows up around the lake then when it fills back up it's almost like it's a brand new lake again oh and that's what we're seeing right now especially with ohiv that's so the window of how long those fish took to grow up was about eight or nine years. And that's what we're running into because they started catching big ones three years. This is the third year of these kicking out these giants over there. So two and a half years ago, that was, you know, eight or nine years out from that from when the lake filled back up. So that's how old those bass are. And that's what those are the fish that started taking off and were spawned in and stocked lunker fish from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Stocking Program. And that's just those year classes maturing, and that's what you're seeing right now. It's pretty yeah. crazy how that works that way. Your, uh, your, your uh, officials down there in Texas are, are the best in the business at managing a fishery. Uh, that Share Lunker Program has proven over and over again how effective it is. And uh, you, sir, are a uh, you're an originator. You were there at the beginning of the uh, Bass Pro Tour of Major League Fishing. You were one of the guys that got Texas to start that uh, uh, Toyota Texas Fest. Yes, I was a, a founder of that with uh, Donato Ramos and Mr. Dan Friedkin, who was the uh, greatest uh, thing that happened to our sport by making sure that event happened. He's a uh, uh, Gulf States Toyota uh, supported that, and that was the 
genesis of all these catchway immediately released tournaments, and that was at um, the Twitter Texas Bass Classic up at Fork, the first one. And that is just like the, the genesis of all that we have now. And then, it, uh, you know, Major League Fishing came about using that same concept, just a different format where every fish counts. Yeah. And at most of our events, you know, we have, you know, some five fish events and some every fish counts events now. But um, that's where that all kind of started. Got thinking outside the box. And, and it's great to look at where we are today from where it all started. It all started right here in Texas at the Texas Toyota Texas Bass Classic. That is absolutely amazing, and uh, uh, being totally not well-researched here, I'm working from memory that uh, Toyota Bass Classic was an open event outside of the jurisdiction of the, uh, of the circuits, and anybody could fish it. So you had uh, FLW guys fishing it, you had Bassmaster guys fishing it. Am I, do I remember? Yep. And, and yes, that changed. Uh-huh. What was the genesis? What happened to that? Oh, what what happened? How did it start like that? No, what what happened to? Uh, the, why did it stop? Why, why did it stop being a, a a single event that stood on its own? Well, it got to where there was too many pulls from different directions. I think, yeah. and, uh, and and it it actually went on, and it went to Bassmaster the last. Uh, four or five or six years of that event uh, it just because they had a tournament organization run it. It, it was, uh, you know, the, the, the professional anglers association, what was the, the group that took it at first, we had FLW tour competitors and Bassmaster competitors. Right. There. Right. And that's kind of the, how you got everybody there. So it was like the, it was like the, uh, the the cross league championship, if you will, that's what it was foreseen as, and it worked like a champ for years and years. And then, you know, it just molded and moved, and how how it was, you know, uh, where it was taken, and it, and it actually uh, it generated, uh, I think, several a, million, a couple million dollars at least for kids fishing programs through uh, uh, the foundation, the Tour of Texas Bass Classic Foundation for for kids through the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. And I think it just ran its, ran its, ran its, you know, ran its life. It, I think we had it uh, for a little over ten years, and uh, you know, just you know, stuff that again, kind of a cycle, I guess. I fully expected to come back sometime because um, I, you know, it's such a great event, and it's still kind of there in spirit, and it's kind of continued on with major league fishing now. I would I would love to see that uh, I would love to see that happen. That's a, a super event and uh, really drew a lot of attention to Texas and the way Texas manages their fisheries, which is about as good as it gets. People are saying, you know, the next world record bass is going to come from Texas, uh, California. Those Southern California lakes cooled off. Uh, you're getting these big, uh, uh, big bag limits out, out of the uh, Ivy and Fork in Texas right now, but I don't think you'll ever see a record bass come out of Texas. What do you think about that? Well, <clears throat> that's a good point. Um, our our state record is 18 pounds. Um, there has there were a few fish over 20 pounds found dead at Lake Fork that died of old age. Um, some of the bass that have been caught, um, that have been kept in captivity have grown to over 
to possibly world record status. I don't think they took them out of weight them because they're afraid of, of, of stressing the bass and killing it, but they were estimated, I think, upwards of 22 pounds, 21 wow. pounds, some of them. Uh, I'm pretty sure I hooked the world record in Lake Fork one time. <laughs> all right. Another fish story that got away, it broke everything I had, my rod, reel, line, I was all gone. Uh, so the legend continues, I guess, uh, and that's, that's just a debate. Is, is that fish out there? Um, I think it has been. Is there one right now? Don't know. Uh, but I think that there is a, it is very likely that there is a world record somewhere in the state of Texas. Uh, and again, I think there are some years better than others, but uh, hey, uh, there is just no telling. But if, it, if there is a giant one, it's, it's probably going to come out of uh, Fork or OHIV right now. But then again, there are so many lakes stocked with these uh, just super bass, super genetic fish from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department that there's no telling where one might pop up. Might pop up in a little small city lake somewhere too. Who knows? So yeah, yeah, that, that'll be yeah. something else. Yeah, caught by a kid on a Mickey Mouse pole. That's what keeps everybody fishing, and that happens. So hey, again, our fishing community, fish do not care who you are, where you're from, <laughs> how old, how. It's, uh, that's what keeps us all going, and that's one of the great parts about our community and our sport. We're talking about a whole lot of things. I got you on here because you won this uh, Major League Fishing Tackle Warehouse Invitational at Lake Follow. We haven't really talked about that at all and not going to be able to dissect it. The one thing I want to say is that reading about this, you did a lot of uh, a lot of research on the internet. Uh, the internet uh, could be the greatest tool. It could be the biggest time waster in the world. Obviously, it was a great tool for you. Uh, do you beat the internet to death on every tournament when you're researching? Well, what, yeah, that, that was in the interview, and they asked me, and what I was referring to was uh, using Google Earth. So I do a lot of study with Google Earth. And that's how you kind of get a feel for what the lake is. You can look back in time and see different water levels. You can understand the character of the lake. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't researching like, you know, hey, where did they catch them? That, no, none of that. It's just researching that body of water, trying to find out where clear water is during when they have floods. There's a lot of stuff you can learn from Google Earth. It is just, it's doing your homework. And I haven't fished there in, you know, 20 years. And, and I don't know that lake very well at all, but you just try to, have a plan, and you, you look for stuff that people might miss. And that's what I did, and that's what I found, and that's what helped me win that tournament. You know, it's it's amazing, and you're, you're talking about winning a big-money tournament doing that. This is available to everybody, and the average weekend yeah. fisherman doesn't do it like he should. I mean, you could be fishing a farm pond. That shows up on Google Earth, and you can see those light spots that, that are humps coming out of deep water pretty darn 100%. easily and nobody's looking for those key fish holding spots because oh why, why would i do that it's just a farm pond or it's a park district pond or whatever that stuff is there for everybody to take advantage of isn't it yeah it's it's right there and again it's just you know some people it's, it's just different things and if, if you kind of again in a big tournament like that I always just try to find little stuff that's just out of the way that a lot of people might miss, just subtle little things that uh, might be missed or a little out-of-the-way stretches or out-of-the-way or a little hump somewhere that you could barely see in one picture from 10 years ago on Google Earth when the lake was six feet low. 
And because some of that stuff does not show up on the mapping chips that we have now. Right, right. Uh, so it's amazing if you put in the time what you can find. But uh, again, it's a skill that you that I've learned for a long time. And I'm not saying I'm the best at it at all, but I think every pro angler is very good at doing that. And I spend a lot of time just researching. It's just, it's just, it's just homework. Yeah. All it is. Yeah, you got to put the time in. Hey, yeah. hey, man, time went by so fast. You've never been on the show with me before. We've been doing this for a zillion years, it seems like. And, and I, I will guarantee that this is not the last time because you're one of the smartest guys out there. You can fish. And, you know, everybody that says you're one of the nicest guy in the business, they, they certainly may be right about that. You are one heck of a nice guy, Kelly Jordan. And I, I want to thank you for being with us, congratulate you for winning the tournament and uh, make you promise that we'll talk again in the near future. Hey, I would love to be on. Thank you for having me, and thank you for those remarks. I just, hey, I'm just living the dream, loving it, and uh, love our sport. Excellent. What a great guy. Kelly Jordan, thank you so much. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, which is the best iron fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank our guest today, Dan Johnston. Hey, hey, Trey McKinney. Man, is this guy hot or what? Kelly Jordan, really like that guy. Definitely want to have him on again. What a, what a good man and what a smart guy. Kelly Jordan. I'd like to thank our sponsors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. Don't forget, you can check it out at our website, wefishasa.com. Send us a note. If you like what you hear, let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone we ought to have on this show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, What's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.